now you've been hanging out for about 20, 30 minutes and you have to go perform perfectly at the highest level of uh, awareness possible. So basically, let me put it a little bit more in terms. If you were going to have a perfect form of snatch with your one rep max on demand. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Christmas Abbott, a woman with a fitness resume about a mile long. She's been a team CrossFit Games competitor, weightlifter, influencer, reality TV star, and also NASCAR's first ever female pit crew member. I've known Christmas for over seven years, but it's been a long time since we've had a proper catch-up. In this episode of the Barbin Podcast, we talk about her evolution from hyper-competitive athlete to producing fitness content for the masses, the physical rigors of working with a pit crew, and badass moms from movies Christmas wants to emulate. But before we get too far into that, I do want to give a quick shout out to today's episode sponsor, Tempo, the artificial intelligence powered home gym. Tempo combines expert training from its coaches and its pioneering AI technology to provide members with hundreds of classes, many among them focusing on strength and hypertrophy with individualized feedback and progress tracking. Learn more about Tempo, including their expanding line of home strength and fitness tracking at tempo.fit. Christmas, thanks for joining me today. It's been a while since we caught up, and it's usually a fun time. Although sometimes, uh, sometimes we've we've definitely gotten ourselves in hot water about uh, certain things we've said around other people. Maybe that's just me, and you've just been like, no, 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 I'm not with this guy. So, uh, uh, I don't, I don't. Now I'm curious. Now we got to dig into the the. Oh. Memory. We'll have to talk about that off the recording, okay, man. There are, there are a few where I've gotten into hot water, and you've, you've had to defend me, and I, I've been very <laughs> thankful. But I'm glad you don't remember those. I'm glad those don't come to the top of mind. That's perfect. Absolutely Listen, perfect. I, I defend my friends <laughs> no matter what. So I'm glad that I, was, I'm glad that I came to your rescue. <laughs> very loyal person. Okay, we're going to go right into it. You and I have known each other for a while, and a lot has changed in the fitness industry since 2014, let's call it like a massive amount of change, right? That was when you were still competing in CrossFit. You were competing in weightlifting at the time. You were a maniac. I, I, I still am. It's just a little different. <laughs> uh, what, how were you a maniac back then? How was like, when, when you think of that, you think of that stage in your life and you say you were a maniac, like, why is that? Am I allowed to cuss? Sure. Yeah. PG 13. Oh, I was unstoppable. Like I just, I love, and I still do now. Like, that's why I say I'm still a maniac now. I loved what I did, everything, even the hard days, even the, the terrible stuff, the hours of training, the, you know, just, I loved every minute of it. I loved the process, which is a problem for a lot of the current people getting into the fitness industry. I loved the process. I loved the work. And so you just, you might be stronger or faster than me or more talented, but I'm not going to give up. And that's how I, I was then. I, I still am this way. It's just, I, I have transferred. I'm still do fitness, but not, not competitively, which is a different situation for my soul. 
what was what was the the where are your fondest memories of the high level intensity training? Was it when you were training for CrossFit, when you were training for weightlifting? Like where in that spectrum do you think you were at your your most maniacal? Let's put it that way. I'll have to tell you that that's like asking who your favorite kid is. Um, I mean, I'll ask that. I've asked that before on this podcast. I was really like I, I'm a hybrid athlete, and so even when I was weightlifting, I would still do a little bit of CrossFit for you know my accessory work. And when I was doing CrossFit, I would still just like purely just do the lifts. Uh, I have to say that it was probably, um, man, it was maybe, maybe it was 2014. Maybe that was like, like before NASCAR, mm. it was right before NASCAR. Cause I was just like on fire and I loved it. And I, I was, I, I'm the kind of athlete that really enjoys getting to the pain cave and and thriving in it but i'm also the athlete that as soon as i get on that floor and i have that extra pressure for performance i exceed anything that i've ever done before well let's talk about let's talk about nascar because i think that a lot of people might not know that about you you were a competitive crossfitter you were a competitive weightlifter you mentioned nascar as this like stage in your athletic development you did some pretty interesting things how did that come about what did you do and what did you learn from it? This is pretty much how my entire life has been with all the cool things that I've ever done is I just said yes when I didn't know what I was saying yes to. <laughs> it's, so wait, someone just knocked on your door like, yes or no, answer the question and then I'll tell you what it is. Pretty much. So my friend called me and they're like, hey, we're going to go play NASCAR. Literally said play NASCAR. And I'm thinking play for sure. And like this was when I was working every day. I only got one day off a, a month and this is no shit. Like I was running my gym. I was working for CrossFit HQ, traveling every weekend. And also, by the way, I was training for the games. So I said, yeah, I'll come. And we hit lug nuts. I actually was really pissed off when I got there because I, I was like, you want me to change your tire? You want me to be like your freaking mechanic? We're not driving these things. And when I was trying to figure out how to get out of it and then we went and did it and I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. And I beat the boys. And so they recruited me. So I literally just said yes to going to a day of NASCAR, not knowing any details and really didn't want to, once I figured out what we're doing, didn't want to do it. I tried it, fell in love with it, made history as the first female in the sprint cup. That's the highest level. It's like going to the games um, in NASCAR and you know, I have to, I have to just credit the yes, saying yes and jumping in without a safety net. <laughs> so you weren't, you weren't driving the cars, but you were in the, in the pit crew. What does that, in, what does that involve? Like I, okay. I grew up in Kentucky, but I hate to admit I'm not super familiar with NASCAR, which is like sacrilege where I'm, where I'm from. If you don't follow it, right. I'm going to get in trouble here, but take us through what you were actually, what, what you're actually doing, because I think a lot of people underestimate the athleticism and the speed it takes. Oh gosh. So they basically recruit pro athletes that are getting ready to retire. Cause usually you only have about a three year span, specifically in like uh, football. I'm sorry. There's so much noise in the background. No, you sound fine. Keep going. Okay. And, and so you, so I was a tire changer. Everybody works together. So it's a synchronized dance of intense precision and consistency. So it's like, it's literally CrossFit has, it, it's even more precise than CrossFit. Um, it's the hardest training that I've ever done in my life. So when the car comes in and we're going to do all tires change. So there's a front tire changers, there's a back tire changer. I was front. 
And then there's a couple other people. There's a carrier, a jack man, and a gas man. So I run out. As the car is coming in, I literally run in front of a car that's going 60 miles an hour. And as it's stopping, I'm getting down on my knees and watching where the spoke for the car, the tire is. As soon as it stops, I hit five lug nuts off and they pop off like popcorn. So you get hit in the face. Like I always busted my teeth out. I bust, I got a black eye. I, um, busted my eyebrow. Like are you wearing, are you wearing like goggles to keep? Yeah. But like those things still hurt and they still get on you. And I had a mouthpiece. Thank God. Cause I would have knocked my tooth out. And so you, you, you hit five lug, nug, uh, lug nuts off. You pull the tire. As you're pulling the tire, the tire carrier is putting one on. So those spokes are about the size of your finger. And it's so, it's so incredibly precise. And then I come back in, hit five lug nuts. I mean, put them on. And then we run around and do the same thing to the other side. While I'm doing this, the back tire changer is doing their job. Now, from start to finish... The entire run, we would run about 12 seconds for four full tires. I got two tires. So that's, I mean, if you think about it, that's incredible. So five lug nuts for your hand speed. I had um, a 1.2 second hand speed. That's average for NASCAR. That's minimum that you need to go to sprint level. Actually like 1.4, you know, it just like they measure you down to the one-tenth of a second. And if you mess up, they tell you. And if you don't hit it hard enough, it doesn't lock on the tire. So you can, they have to come back in and then you basically cost them the race. If you hit it too hard, then you have a hard time getting it off when they come back around. So it's not just like hitting it on. It's consistency of how hard you hit, um, how, how smooth you are. It's just really incredible. It's, it's a nerdy, it's a very nerdy driven sport. (laughs) It almost seems like a carnival game. Like you're doing a carnival game for accuracy and for, and for time is, is what it, how much does the drill weigh? Because it looks like you're holding, it almost looks like a, a, a rifle or like a gun that yeah, you're using. Well, how much, how much does that weigh? It, it's about 10 to 12 pounds. Okay. But maneuvering it that quickly, you've just got to be completely braced, I assume. Think about a sewing machine. So your arms are like a sewing machine and then you have this, you know, this very, I mean, it's a little heavy. Um, and how you hold, like you have to be exactly lined up with the spoke because if you have it tilted at all, it's not going to go all the way. You'll probably hit the lug nut off. I mean, there's a lot of, um, we glue lug nuts onto our helmet in case we do pop one off and we have to put one back on. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, a quick shout out to our episode sponsor, Tempo. You have more options than ever when it comes to working out at home. With Tempo, you get the power of artificial intelligence combined with expertise from some of the world's leaders in fitness. The state-of-the-art equipment can track your movements and provide real-time feedback, all from the comfort of your home. Learn more at Tempo.fit. So it's like a spare, like keeping a spare pencil in behind your ear, but it's just like a lug nut. I always have a few, but you never want to use them. <laughs> That's a really interesting image. So not not only it, it's kind of a ridiculous thing to think about. You're in all this protective gear, and you have this like looks like a gun to drive in these lug nuts, screw these lug nuts, and then you have lug nuts attached to your head. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird cosplay from like a, a futuristic video game. For absolutely, and by the way the fire suit that we wear, like it, we have to have these very specific fire retardant suits. They're so hot. <laughs> it's so hot. So not only are you just like, and let me tell you how this works during a race. So that's just one tire change during practice or, or the race, right? 
think about, so as we're kind of watching the car go around, very boring, you're literally just standing there waiting to do your job. And you do your job maybe four to six times during the race, depending on how many times. So during the two hour course, you have to be ready to go when they say coming in and you literally have about 10 seconds, 15 seconds to get in line. If it's a, if it's a like unscheduled lap, or if they know they're going to come in next time, you have about 45 seconds, maybe, maybe a minute. And so now you've been hanging out for about 20, 30 minutes and you have to go perform perfectly at the highest level of uh, awareness possible. So basically, let me put it a little bit more in terms. If you were going to have a perfect form of snatch with your one rep max on demand, and you don't get to like get in your head and do all this stuff. You're like, okay, you do it. And then you sit down and you walk away and they analyze it and they tell you where you messed up or didn't mess up. And then by the way, you just got to hang out and then wait. And maybe like on a beck and call, like I can, if it was 15 minutes or 30 minutes, I can be like snatch now. And it has to be perfect. And you're one rep max every single time. Thank you for putting it in terms that strength athletes can understand. That's absolutely perfect. It also sounds horrifying because the the risk of like feeling like you're going to pull a muscle or something because you're kind of cold, you're standing around. Did you do anything to stay warm, like between attempts, so to speak, or I guess between tire changes? Well, I mean, you're sweating in that fire suit. Oh, fair enough. There's very few cool, um, you know, and then you're just like, whatever, you just go for it. <laughs> yeah. So you're not, so the, so, the so the pit crew, they're not, you're not piddling on your phone between during the race you're not just like sitting around you're basically just like you have to be plugged in you're watching the race you're watching for the car you're listening to um the driver and you know you're also looking at your work because after every stop we go look we analyze and what it does is it how hard you pushed like your pressure on the the spokes and like how hard that lug nut is on or how it's not if there's you know, a few loose ones, they have to come back in. They know exactly how tight those tires are before it leaves. So it's like you're getting, it's like instant video feedback on a snatch during a competition. Yes. That's, and I love the analogy. Critical. <laughs> so <laughs> at, after your NASCAR days, uh, what? how did your career evolve beyond that? I know you did a lot of broadcasting. We actually worked together on, on some broadcasting and some media stuff. This was like 2015, 2016, I think. But how did your career evolve you know, after, after that? Uh, you know, I've done, I've done some weird things. Uh, you're, on, I, you're, you're on reality TV. Uh, I'm kind of yeah, talking about your, your fitness career specifically. 17, so from 15 to 17, I just, I basically toured. I had a national bestselling book. Um, that was fr freaking crazy, you know? And so I did a lot of touring with that and I still, I, I went back to competing in CrossFit and, uh, weightlifting. I just love it. I can't get rid of it. And so I just was doing, I was traveling so much, literally every weekend, every week and doing the tour. I was doing nutrition seminars and my book tour and just going and hosting and being an MC or, you know, hosting where I could. So then I got on reality TV, big brother in 2017. And that's when I broke my foot. <laughs> You, you broke your foot on. I, I didn't. I didn't watch the whole season. You broke your foot on the show. 
Yeah, I broke my foot on day 13. What What were you doing? Well, I got a piggyback ride. Oh, nothing good. Everyone has a piggyback ride gone awry story. It doesn't matter if you're a kid or adult. I was like, what the heck? I'm literally, you know, years of training, heavy weights. I've never had any injury from training. I'm running out in front of running like super fast cars going 60 miles an hour. We're like, they're closer than arms linked to me at when they stop because I have to be able to hit the tire. Like you're, you're about a foot away from them sliding in. No problem. Jumped out of planes. No problem. Gone to Iraq for millet, you know, with contracting. No problem. I get a freaking piggyback ride from a rodeo clown. 10 broken bones. Be careful. Be, be care- the lesson is keep your head on a swivel. You never know. You never know who's going to do it. And apparently it was a rodeo clown. Well, that one, you should just say no. <laughs> the one instance where you regret saying, where you regret saying yes. Well, it, it changed the trajectory of my career. And how, how so? Um, I mean, honestly, it's kind of weird because have you ever seen Collateral Beauty? No, no. Okay. Is, that a, is that a movie? I'm a- you guys should all watch it. It's a little depressing, a little bit, but there's this amazing ending in the storyline. Like the message is incredible. So this was a ga- like this was a game changer. It career ending break, really. I mean, I still have pain with it every day, but I've been taking this new product and I'm in love with it. Um, so I basically had to like stop. I was in such a frenzy. I was working, I was traveling like 20 to 25 days out of the month and I just wasn't nurturing me. And so the break made me stop. I went into a bit of depression afterwards and then I got pregnant right away. And I had a really hard pregnancy, um, physically and emotionally, because I just wasn't, I hadn't been in a good place. And then, um, you know, recently I've, I've come out of that and it's, it's been a challenge, but I love where I am now more than ever because I have such more balance of my life and I'm more familiar, like I'm, I'm more in touch with who I am. And by the way, I, I am who I say I am now where before I I was, but not nearly to the level that I should have been or wanted to be. And it's because I just kept neglecting my emotional and mental health. So breaking my foot forced me into a growth that I didn't want to do. Was it because you, you were kind of forced to be vulnerable? You think? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it forced me to stop. And and like when you stop and you're a thinker like me, I had to evaluate a lot. And I was like, wait a minute, am I now, like when I started this, basically I was like, I want to share to the world all of the things that I love. And over time, and you see this happen a lot, instead of sharing like who exactly I am, I started sharing things that I thought that would, you would like. It went from like me being authentically myself to me appeasing this idea of what society had started to think about me because of whatever reasons, you know? And that's a really, that's a really terrible place to be. And I know a lot of influencers do that and they find themselves within whether a month or years. Um, they don't like, I was depressed. I didn't love what I was doing. And now I love what I'm doing again. And I just feel like I've 
literally, I'm in such a great space now that I haven't been in four plus years, including the time that I was traveling and doing a lot of stuff like that because I wasn't being, um, I wasn't nurturing my authentic self, which has got me to be who I am. So it's kind of crazy, you know? (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about another role that I know that you, uh, you put a lot of your heart and energy into, and that was as a gym owner for a long time. Oh, and folks, you, you're not seeing the video, but I say that and Christmas made it, made a face like, oh, this is like where the real conversation starts. That's where the real headaches start. That's where the real headache starts. <laughs> yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that because you were, you owned and operated a gym for a long time. I don't believe you currently own and operate a gym. Am I correct? And I think that a lot of people think that, that, you know, if you're a fitness influencer and a competitive athlete, you open a gym, it's kind of this like nice feather in your cap, but it's, it's a hard business. Talk a little bit about that and, and the process you had to go through to leave that phase of your business career. Um, so I definitely don't recommend if you love coaching, just find a gym that lets you coach do that. Um, but if you love business, that's like a lot of the times we see that these coaches don't know how to run a business and that's why they suffer because it's it, coaching is the pyramid, like the top where you just see it, but the iceberg, the rest of it is business and it's hard. You have to have a team that you really trust and people turn on you. You know, they, their loyalty is, is shallow <laughs> and quickly forgotten. And, and so I was very fortunate that when I built my team, I hand like there was a year and a half process to become a coach. And it was because like, I just wanted to make sure that you wanted it. And I was loyal to my coaches and I treated them well. They got paid the highest amount. And I eventually I brought in a business partner to help me run the operations because I was traveling so much. And, you know, he, we had different ideas of where I wanted the business to go. And so I was fortunate enough that I had an operating agreement that outlined everything. People don't do that. They're like, okay, cool. Let's do it. We're going to love each other. Not going to happen. Okay. And eventually um, I just, there's just like a, a whirlwind of paper cuts, you know, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. There's no one big significant thing. Even if one of your main coaches leave, you can survive, which I had that happen to me. And it's just like all the little bitty things that will never stop. There will always be little fires to put out. And I just, I didn't, I wanted to be at this time when I decided to sell, I had owned the business for 10 years. And I knew that that, that part of my life is good. Like I was like, okay, my business partner wants to buy it. He loves it. He wants to live here all the time. Like let him do it. So uh, we negotiated it and I sold it a year and a half ago and they're doing great. They're doing really well through COVID because it, I mean, Invoke has a strong name and Brandon had been running the business for a couple of years. And so it was an easy transition for the community. And I love that community. I built it. Um, but I also was ready to kind of move on to the next thing, which was being able to be home in the evenings with my son and put him to bed and not have him in dragging along in the gym all day long. Because I just, you know, when your coach can't show up, you have to show up. 
And so now I just focused on my workouts with my app, which I do those workouts at home. I get to be a, a cool mom that takes her kid to the park and we do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I get to focus. I have a lot more time to be me and within my life. Like I get to really enjoy life now. <laughs> I was going to ask if you still, if you still work out at the gym, but it sounds like you're, you're on the home training train. Do you have a home gym? No. So I actually relocated. I just moved to Florida from North Carolina, but I was working out there still. Like I would still go there. Um, it's just with my app, I film at home. I don't have a home gym. Like it's all body weight stuff. I'm actually doing my first, um, weighted uh, program in two weeks. And it's just like, I want it to be, what I love is introducing people to fitness and health and wellness. And so my workouts are very, you know, accommodating to people just getting into this journey. And I don't want to deal with athletes. I don't, you know, like we are high maintenance. You know that? Oh, I'm, I'm aware. I'm, I'm a little bit aware. We are, we are very high maintenance. And I just love seeing people find that they're so much more capable than they ever thought. Do you, do you miss, do you miss barbell training though? I got to ask. Yes. I, I know you wake up some days and you're like, oh, I kind of want to put some weight overhead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. And I actually, I recently, first time in like really two years, I've been picking up a barbell recently. But I don't, like, I'm so, like, I'm not nearly as strong as I used to be. But I, I, I you know, I'm not that weak. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything. I, I didn't. Know. I have like this, I have like this dichotomy of like wanting to pick up a barbell and I want to do a, a, a weightlifting competition again. And then I, I know that the way that I work is I go at it. I go all in and I just don't want to take that time away from my son, you know? And so I can, I've gotten to a good acceptance of playing with the barbell. And I think that eventually I will, um, try and do another competition, uh, a weightlifting competition. Just right now, I just love every second with him as much as possible. Well, he's going to get to the age, as kids do, when, when they want a little bit more space. And he's like, Mom, give me, I, need, I need my time. I'm going to go hang out with my friends. And then you know what? You're going to have a lot, of, you're going to have a lot more time to train. I, I honestly think that he's already there. He's like always pushing me away. I'm like, Can you cuddle with me. Come cuddle with me. And he's like, <sighs> I'm like, you were supposed to be a baby. He's two and a half. I'm like, you, you're still supposed to be a baby. Let me swaddle you. <laughs> it's, well, you can kind of force that. It's when, it's when like, it's like the preteen years where it's like, give me, give me space. I have friends. I'm going to go hang out with them. I don't know what the kids are going to be into 10 years from now. I'm already too old to know. Is this weird? Like, I think about like Loyal going to high school and obviously like, he's going to be exposed to people knowing who he is and who I am. But, and so I, I think about that, like that, that comes across my mind as a mom. Um, but I really just still want to be the hot mom, even though I'm an older mom. Is that weird for me to want? I, that's a loaded, that's a loaded question. I don't know. I, there's no way I answer that without, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I mean, everyone, everyone wants that. Everyone wants to be like the cool dad, the hot mom, what, yeah, whatever. I'm, I know I'm still going to be cool. I just still want to be. <laughs> oh, okay. Very, very. You know, the thing I love is your humility. That's the best. That's the best part. <laughs> it's, it's definitely, it's definitely held me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So 
as mindset. Far as, you gotta know that you're the baddest bitch there. When I so I grew up in a small town in the South. I know you have some experience with that. So like you know you you worry about your son going to high school and like people know who you are. But where I grew up and what I'm used to is everyone knows everyone's business. Because when you grow up in a small town, everyone knows there there is no secret. Everything's just gossip, but everyone knows everyone's business. So I don't know if that's for but me. But now just, social media. Well, yeah, that adds a, that adds a whole another layer to it, right? I don't know if it makes it worse or better. They know your business, quote unquote, where you know they're just getting like little glimpses of of either your worst or your best moment. Well, the thing you need to do to establish dominance at like you know a, a parent teacher association meeting is you have to just make sure that like the tattoo of a pistol on your leg is just on complete display. It's very high up on my like that. I'm walking in with a like a slit up to my hip. It's just a suggestion. It's okay. just a suggestion. That'll secure me being the hot mom too, right? I it just you know, it just like drop a few drop a few stories about your your time in contract defense and in a NASCAR pit crew and then, you know, flash some tattoos. And of course by the by the time although like that's that's not it's not uncommon to see people like it's not uncommon to see moms with tattoos these days. It's oh much more God. common. Women like cover it all the time, and I'm like, when did all these women get so many tattoos? And then I for, I actually literally forget that I have so many. Um, and then I just love it, like you know, bad bitches getting tattoos. And here's the thing: those bad bitches. I'm not talking about mean. I'm talking about like they just they are like doing the best, their best, you know. Well, if you took if you take up weightlifting again, that also helps. If you're an active competitor in weightlifting, that also helps you try and become the baddest mom in yeah. the room. It's I'm, not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. There are a lot of bad moms out there. I mean, baddest, not bad moms. You know what I mean? Also, a funny movie, very relatable. <laughs> um, now, I I just like I really love. I do love weightlifting. I love picking up a, a barbell. I. I would love to like maybe slowly implement it. It's something that I've been kind of flirting with for a little while where before it was a hard no. So now that I know that I'm kind of softening up to the idea that it will happen on a long enough timeline. It's just, you know, with right now he's two and a half and um, I know the dedication that it takes and I'm trying to find a balance in between, which is good for me, you know? All right. The last thing I'll say about about how you model yourself as a badass mom is just you are the person closest to Sarah Connor from the Terminator movies that I personally know. Yes. That is the best compliment ever. She has a, she's the baddest. I, I mean, there is like Linda Hamilton like set the bar sky sky high. Like yes, sky yes. high. That was the. I mean, there's no like no body double. Just like, yep, I'm gonna get jacked. I'm gonna be doing pull ups in the movie. Um, so just kind of use that as your guiding light. Except maybe be a little less paranoid, and uh, and then you're good to go. Well, I did get on Big Brother. I did go on Big Brother twice, so the paranoia is always going to be there. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I just like I just. My son is super crazy strong. Like he has the strength of like a five-year-old and he just doesn't even realize it. He's, he is, I don't even know what to do with him. Like I want him, you know, I want to be able to provide a lot of opportunities for him to try new things and figure out what he likes and doesn't like. Uh, I'm not into him doing football, which is such, because it's such a contact sport. 
but this kid is going to be an animal. Like those genetics get passed down. And, you know, between me and his father, you know, we're both CrossFit competitors. We're both entrepreneurs. We're both very headstrong. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's, he's going to be quite, the, you know, a, a human to watch. <laughs> Well, we're excited to see, uh, you know, I guess it'd be the Youth Weightlifting Pan American Championships in 10 years or 11 years. Keep your eye out. Um, Christmas, thank you so much for joining me. Where's the best place for people to follow along with you, what you're doing, your goal to be the closest thing to Sarah Connor that exists in real life, all that jazz? Oh, man. So I have christmasfitness.com if you're interested in joining me with my workouts. And I have a ton of different programs on there. It's kind of like Netflix with just Christmas Babbitt, cooking and mindset and nutrition. And otherwise, Instagram, Christmas Abbott. And uh, this other company that I'm in love with right now, or, or will be for a long time, is Q Sciences. So christmasabbott.myqsciences.com. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll make sure to have all that in the show notes. 